Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here in ESPN at 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared taking care of us behind the glass. And whew, it has been a little bit of a roller coaster, but I mean, now they're on the, on the uphill from the Natural Predators. But, you know, following that dreary loss, and I say dreary because it was in Seattle and because it was to Seattle, that dreary loss to the Seattle crack and the Natural Predators bounced back with a huge 8-0 win against a struggling San Jose Sharks team. But then... They followed that up with a bigger win in terms of where it is in the standings against the Dallas Stars with late game heroics from Roman Yossi to one win over the Dallas Stars last night at home. Only one point separating those two teams, and it is coming down. The home stretch here is a huge month uh, for every single team in the NHL that is vying for playoff position, but focusing on the home team here, the National Predators won't have two days in a row off for over two weeks. They have multiple back-to-backs. They are playing a gauntlet of a schedule in terms of playing other Central Division and Western Conference foes that are all battling for position. Uh, the only one really not battling would be Colorado because they're secure at the top of the Central. But you have Minnesota, who's been struggling a little bit. We'll talk about Minnesota more with Jesse Pierce coming up later in the show. And then you have Dallas and St. Louis uh, all battling for position out there too. And and Winnipeg, yeah, hanging around, a little Winnipeg, always hanging around. We'll see what happens there. But Glenn, just your thoughts on how this team where it, it, it's interesting, you don't see it too often now in today's NHL, but to have a game going into the third period without any goals scored, it has you on the edge of your seat. And it was, it was a great effort by the Predators overall to finally you know get it in and then take over and take the lead. I, I was, it was looking bad. <laughs> early on in the third period with letting Dallas score so early. So your overall take and it's how the Predators able to follow up a big eight, nothing win like that coming back home against a, an even bigger foe. Yeah. I mean, Justin, I really liked what I saw as far as pressure and control from the Predators. Um, I mean, for a, for a game that you didn't see a score until the third, there was some energy. Um, they were buzzing around the net. We saw Tolvin in with a nice maneuver, getting up to the net. Um, setting his team up for a possible opportunity. There was a lot of just that energy. So when the first period ended, you almost felt as though, are we sure there's not a goal on board? Because there was a lot, it was that type of start. Um, and so I like the intensity. I like the pressure that they came out with. Um, and like you said, Justin, I mean, this has got to happen against any opponent, especially at this point in the season. But these central division teams, I mean, so many of them are just too close for comfort right now. And this coming up weekend, it's going to be a huge central division test with the Predators. I mean, they're playing St. Louis on Saturday, the Wild on Sunday. All three of these teams just within just a few points of each other. But overall, I mean, I like the offensive pressure that we saw from this team. Um, I just feel like they were, for the most part, a dominant force. And that's what you want to see, especially this time of year and especially against these other central division teams. No, absolutely. And when you look at just the, the advanced analytics for that game against Dallas, it one of those things where it probably should have been a bigger Preds win <laughs> overall. I mean, they, they dominated in terms of shot opportunities uh, throughout basically the entire game. From the get-go, the Predators were dominating in terms of uh, quality shots. I mean, high danger opportunities. They're credited with six in the first period. Uh, neither team had one in the second period. And then four in the third period. So 10 high-quality shots compared to two for the Dallas Stars. It just shows the pressure the Predators are putting on. And that's what you want to see is that even though they couldn't get one in the back of the net early on, they still continue that pressure. And even when they went down one, <laughs> they still continue to put on the pressure. Yep. And it, that's what's important too, that, that it's that mental stability and the mental fortitude that head coach John Hines has talked about. And that's 
that's a quality win. I mean, San Jose is a big win, and it's it's cool to see, especially the secondary scoring. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to look at the the, the the secondary scoring and seeing those fourth liners really get some some good recognition uh, as well in San Jose with an eight nothing win like that. But that's not what you chalk up to a quality win because yes, it gave you two points in the standings, two points in the West. But San Jose is is not like the San Jose of old. <laughs> The, the mm-hmm. quality win is against Dallas because you're playing against a team that is directly battling you for position uh, and seeding for the playoffs. And Dallas is one of those teams that they're aging. Unlike the Predators who have gotten much younger, Dallas is an aging team. So the pressure is on them to make another run because they had that run a couple of years ago, remember? And, and then you thought, well, maybe they're going to restock and, and be a favorite again. Well, they haven't been able to do that. And so there's that question with some upcoming free agents that, that Dallas has of what, what are they going to do? Because they have plenty of their veterans that are not going to be under contract come this offseason. So quality win for the Predators to, to jump over the Dallas Stars. And when you look at the standings now, it's crazy how tight the Central is after Colorado. So St. Louis, 71 points in second. Minnesota in third with 69. Nice. Fourth, mm-hmm. Nashville, 68. Dallas, 67. Winnipeg at 60. Mm-hmm. And now, since that faux Olympic break happened where you had some days off and everything, you play made up a couple games. All the teams are within about two games played of each other. Uh, so that's that's now these these standings look way more accurate than they did back in January, where you had some teams with six games in hand or six games ahead or five games. And that's that's a 10 point to 12 point difference. You just didn't know. Now, you know, Colorado's the cream of the crop in the central, but all these other teams have have a lot to fight for. Minnesota, they've been They've been skidding so much, three and seven in the last ten. That was that they're coming up this weekend, so that's going to be another big opportunity too. Uh, the Predators, I know they have games in between that, but the Predators only one point behind Minnesota currently in the standing. So, after the slew of games that are coming up over the next few days, the Predators could legitimately bump up to second in the Central Division, or they could fall back into fifth. <laughs> This is why it's going to be such a huge weekend. And Justin, you mentioned that quality win. And I think what we got to see um, in this game last night was the fact that the Predators team that everyone has come to know and love as that team that just doesn't give up, um, that team that can go into the third period not having anything scored, letting the other team score, and then all of a sudden they found a way. And it's like what we mentioned, that offensive pressure, they, they continued that. They didn't let... The other team get under their skin. They stayed dominant throughout most of this game. And that's what this identity is all about. Um, It's not about coming out all flashy and scoring first. I mean, sometimes this Predators team has done their best work when they had their backs up against the wall um, or up against the boards, if you might say. But it's just one of those scenarios where we got to see again that the identity of this team is still very, very clear um, and you love to see that, and you have to see that going into this weekend. You have to. And so speaking of identity, Mr. Roman Yossi. <laughs> mm. uh, oh, yeah. I mean, he's at 60 points in 54 games. That is, that's fantastic, <laughs> first of all, because... Is it, is it just... <laughs> like, it's, he's on, he's totally on pace to set a new career, single season record for, for himself. I mean, he's only... Boop, boop, do five points away from doing that <laughs> at 65 points. And that was in his North Trophy season of 2019 uh, 20. Uh, he's one goal away from tying his career high in goals. And let's see, his career high in points, or sorry, in assists was also that 1920 season at 49. He's at 45. 
the dude is having an excellent season, a, a fantastic season so far. And I want to pose this just because Darren McFarland did. And before I get to that, I mean, it's crazy to see Kale McCarr, young gun with Colorado, 65 points in 54 games. Uh, so he's just obviously a, a, a favorite as well. And then Victor Hedman's still up there, 57 points in 56 games. Cause we're talking points because that's what it is now, folks. You, you, you know that, but Darren McFarland poses to me on pregame uh, for the National Predators pregame yesterday. Is this Roman Yossi's best season? And I feel like that's kind of a loaded question because you had his Norris Trophy season mm-hmm. and you have this season. And the way that I answered it, I'm going to say after you answered because I don't want to you know, put any bias out there. But Glenn, in terms of this season so far for Roman Yossi, who is obviously on pace to break his single season record, and is on pace to you know set so many different things in terms of defenseman scoring for this national Predators team. Is this his best season? Uh, I mean, you, I think you nailed it when you said it's a very loaded question because offensively, when you're looking at him about to break his own single season records, then yeah, in that regard, absolutely. Um, but when you look at his Norris winning season as a defenseman, it's, I don't know. I almost just feel like it's, it's, that's very, very hard to answer <laughs> as far as best just season generally, right? So I guess you would have to break it down and see what, exactly what you're looking at. But I think that, I mean, he's always been noticeable, mm-hmm. right? But he always is, but he's always done it in a very calm, not flashy way. Right. Um, so I think offensively and yeah, this might be his best season, but you always <laughs> have to go back to when he won the Norris and you're like, why do you win the Norris? Because you're the best defenseman in the league. Right. So. I mean, his, it's not his job to be as offensively talented and gifted as he is, but he is. So in that regard, yeah. he's had the best season yet. That's uh, a very good answer. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's a very hard question to answer. It is. It is. It, so the he's take, such a versatile player. The take that I had on it was not yet. And the reason I say it's not yet is because this team, even though it's only a few years removed, this team is more offensively talented. And so the pressure is not on him to mm-hmm. score goals even though he absolutely did that <laughs> and then when he gets dallas he get the game-winning goal less than two minutes remaining in the game that was huge but the pressure's not on him to carry the team he has been able to play his style of game which he's producing even more but this team overall is producing more offensively because you have guys that are scoring goals you have guys mm-hmm. that are living up their contracts more you have matt duchene producing you have uh, michael granlin producing you have Tanner Janot out there. You have Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, of course. All those guys are producing, so the pressure is not as much on him to be more of that best defenseman uh, point production guy out there. So I still say the Norse Trophy season would be his best season. Now let's see how this season finishes because if he continues on this pace and you know he has 75 to 80 points, which he's well over a point per game, so there's no reason to think why he shouldn't reach 80 points this year, then that probably go into account of everybody's going to say it's his best season, but he had to do more, I think, in terms of carrying the team load in the 1920 season because of the quality of the team that he was playing on. So that's that kind of loaded question. Very, very valid point. Yeah. (laughs) That's the point. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Well, up next, let's discuss the future. I mean, the, the trade deadline is looming. There's so many question marks that are coming up on what the predators should do. We've seen plenty of Twitter questions on this, Philip Forsberg, all that. Glenn and I are going to have a good discussion, I hope. <laughs> and we're not just both <laughs> in agreement. And that's going to end the discussion real quickly. Uh, up next, we'll talk Philip Forsberg, trade deadline, and more. Penalty Box here to ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box here to ESPN 1025 The Game. 
Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared taking care of us behind the glass, doing a fantastic job as he always does. And let's discuss the trade deadline, which is looming for the NHL with so many decisions that are going to have to be made for every single team, but especially the Nashville Predators when we try to evaluate what should be done with certain players like Philip Forsberg, or does this team need to add anything as well? Trade deadline, March 21st. It's currently March 9th. That's coming up very quickly, especially when you think contracts haven't been worked. You know, who's going to be a buyer? Who's going to be a seller? It's becoming more and more apparent. The teams are going to be selling Arizona. <laughs> the, the teams that are definitely going to be selling uh, Seattle, I think, has things to sell. Um, Buffalo has things to sell. New Jersey, there's the talk about what to do with P.K. Subban. If they cancel his contract or, they, you know, just – nix it and then trade him somewhere that can something he can sign for cheaper to let him cup chase so there's lots of philadelphia what's going to happen there with some of those guys but the looming question here in nashville is what's going to happen with philip forsberg and there was an update with from david Poyle yesterday when he, he was on uh, darren donick and chase i believe where basically he said the talks are happening but nothing new to report so mm-hmm. <laughs> that being the case i i still think that they're close it's just some little itty bitty things like any sort of modified no movement clause or no trade clause or maybe on term or just a little bit trying to find the wiggle room on salary as well. And so my first thought is it's going to need to be somewhere to, for him to resign somewhere above Johansson and Duchesne, but slightly below or maybe even equal to Roman Yossi in terms of the caliber of player and what he means to the team and offensive production. But then the big thing comes into those those different types of of no movement clauses, which David Paul does not like to give out, but you can see that he's willing to give up modified ones in order to secure mm-hmm. the right player. And before I get to my quote unquote fiery take, Glenn, just what are what are you feeling right now too? As it's like two, it's two weeks under two weeks out from the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, David Poyle, he knows what he's doing. Um, And I do believe him when he comes out and says, you know, I'm not trying to trade Philip Forsberg. I'm trying to sign Philip Forsberg. Mm -hmm. Those were his words. Now, David Poyle is doing his job and due diligence by probably entertaining any conversation. uh, But I don't really think that there was any engaging conversation going on really, really entertaining the idea of getting rid of Philip Forsberg. I think that they're very close, like you said, on smaller details the conversation has been happening. It's just not completely wrapped yet. Um, in no scenario do I see this presenting itself to Philip Forsberg not resigning with the Predators. I think they've just got to, like you said, come to deal on some of the terms. He's got. To, he knows that he is going to be one of the highest paid players on this team. If he resigns him, he's going to have to give him what he knows he's worth right now, especially in this market. So I just, I don't see a scenario where he doesn't resign him. I really don't. Same here. I, I, I agree that I don't see a scenario where he doesn't resign, especially, and my point is in this is that the trending point of this team is that they're trending in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And that's what's important too. And there's no doubt players that are at his age and know that he could go on the free market and make a lot of money, probably in, in a big market that maybe has a better stake in his eyes at winning a Stanley Cup. But now the Predators had a very competitive year. He's had a very good year as well, meaning he could make a lot more money in the free market. 
but the Predators having a great year in terms of other players stepping up offensively, like we've already named before, Johansson, Duchesne, uh, Granlin. You have a surprise rookie in Tanner Janot being able to produce. Phil Tomasino looking like he's progressing so, so well this season overall and not having to go out and be the star rookie, but can you know kind of mesh in and get, get his feet wet. Yusuf Saros, especially. Mm. out there uh stealing games all the time and having a fantastic season and then obviously knowing another swede and matthias ekholm is here basically for the rest of his career uh too it, all those little factors there but most importantly team training in the right direction be competitive and knowing that we've said before seems like the window is going to open way more quickly than we thought in terms of them being a cup contender especially if they continue this trend where the veterans performing they get these young guys in that are overperforming or they can't overperform especially if ellie tolvin can really get it clicking either this season or next season those are the right pieces in place to be a stanley cup champion and especially when you have a goaltender like yusuf saros they can steal games that right there keys into me why it makes sense for him to resign because the things are in place for him to continue to play on a competitive team and not go through a full rebuild because of the way the team's performing right now, that things all of a sudden have worked. That mm-hmm. being said, if a contract is not in place, if they do not have him resign, I, Oh, you're going to come at me people. Oh if, gosh. If he is not resigned, by the trade deadline, you have to move him. You have to. You cannot say, oh, well, we'll take care of the offseason because you're not. You're just well, not. Yeah. I, I can't imagine where he's going to be like, oh, you know, what? I'm going to come back after other numbers get flashed to him. I just cannot imagine that happening for him to come back because it doesn't happen. How many times? Mikhail Granlin is a very unique situation for him to resign after going UFA like that because he – I, I apparently probably just didn't receive the offers that he thought he might get in the open market. And so, Oh yeah, Nashville. And it's been a great fit. He's been working very, very well in Nashville this season. And for the years to come, he's wearing an A for God's sake. See, there's a reason why he's blossoming right now. And this is what we thought that they were going to get when they traded to Kevin Fiala away. So that's, you know, you're going to get something in return. You know, teams will be willing to give you plenty, especially those teams that are probably in a higher capacity to chase a cup this season. And so, you know, you're, you should be getting prospects that are ready to go. You should be getting picks that are pretty high. You should be getting multiple things. You should maybe even get a veteran that could solidify some things. But I know that people want to make the playoffs because anything can happen there. But if you lose Philip Forsberg for absolutely nothing in return, that is a gigantic mistake once again that this team cannot cannot (laughs) afford to do that. And this is not a Ryan Suter situation because it's constant talks and it's not saying, oh, I do believe Forbes wants to be here, but the, the, the mistake's going to come is if David Poole doesn't trade him. So they have to do something and make that decision very quickly if they cannot get pen to paper on trade deadline day. Your thoughts? Yeah. No, I mean, Justin, you're right. It, it That is a hard one, I think, for people to swallow, for you to say if, yeah. if they don't get pen to paper, then you got to get rid of him as if he's just this disposable thing. Obviously, there is a huge value in Philip Forsberg. David Poyle knows that the league knows that Philip Forsberg knows that. Oh yeah. Um, but that you're right in the sense that that is a massive risk and mistake to lose him for nothing. I mean, the predators cannot afford to do that. Um, but I think it's, that is hard one for people to swallow because when you hear it, you're like, Oh, come on, Justin. But then when you actually look at the scenario that could present itself, I mean, Nashville will be putting themselves at a risk for that. And you can't do that. You have to get something incredible if you're going to give up Philip Forsberg. You have to. Um, 
but I still don't like the idea of just get rid of him. That <laughs> and, did sound and, a little. <laughs> and I know, and I know the organization has looked at it with Mikhail Granlin last year. It's like, well, he's basically our our trade deadline acquisition because we didn't trade him. And yeah, then we signed him. It's yeah. like, okay, okay, that okay, fair. But your return for Mikhail Granlin was not going to be the same as what you're going to get for Philip Forsberg. That like yeah. that's comparing apples to pears. I didn't want to say oranges because I just want to go similar families there. So <laughs> <laughs> Swedish, like, Swedish, close. Finnish, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. But <laughs> it's 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 a different situation because the, the the return you would get would make it to where your team can still be competitive next season. Mm-hmm. Return you'd get for Philip Forsberg would make it to where you're not going and signaling rebuild. It's that you couldn't get it done and you get a massive return because they would get something in return that should be should be enough to yeah. compensate for that not directly compensate but within well, yeah, two but seasons up, yeah if you're giving up such a competitive edge for your team you're going to have to get something to fill that void right and not not just right a, you know a placekeeper but an actual competitive right. edge and not just picks actual exactly. players that are ready to roll so basically yeah. some a team's gonna have to give up one of their nhl ready prospects or one of the prospects that's already playing on their team that looks pretty good but they're just not sure of yet and come to nashville where they're going to get top six playing time that kind of situation plus picks so it, it's got to be a good return and and i'm saying people well, what if the return's not good some team's going to offer a good return don't come at me with well maybe they just didn't get any good offers that's why they decided not to trade him if that's the route they go that's bull because mm-hmm. there's going to be enough teams. And that's where I think some of these rumors have taken place and happened where David Poyle, where it says David Poyle shopping Philip Forsberg. It's like, he's not shopping Philip Forsberg. I, I don't believe you're shopping him. I believe yeah. he was making calls of like, if it comes down to, we have to trade Philip, what would you give up? Because mm-hmm. that's what general managers do. They're doing the due diligence for the team. All the time. That's his yeah. job. You can't but do the work like five minutes before the trade deadline. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, no general manager just says at the very beginning, nope, at the very beginning of the end of the contract, <laughs> you're not going to do it. Like they're, that's not them doing their research. They're not doing their due diligence to the team. So, oh, that's a, yeah. this is why I've never envied a general manager because I even no. get worked up this time of year. <laughs> well, I don't envy David Poyle at all in this situation. No, it's, it's, it's a difficult situation to be in. And that's why I truly do think they'll figure it out and come to a deal because from everything that I know, he likes it here. His mm-hmm. fiance likes it here, especially she's in the music industry. She likes mm-hmm. it here in Nashville as well, that they would probably want to come back to Nashville uh, because, I mean, she's not Swedish. So I'm assuming for her career, they're probably going to stick around or, you know, make their time to go to Sweden when they need to and stay, come to Nashville, whatever. So I just, I, I, I do believe it's going to get worked out, but you always have to be prepared. You always have to have a backup plan. And that's what I think those phone calls, those rumors come is that, Hey, I just received a call from David Boyle. There's so this general manager that I'm in the inner circle with just received a call from David Boyle of uh, Forsberg. It's like, well, yeah, you would hope that people are calling each other to figure it out. Every, every player has a price. Every player yeah. has a price. Austin Matthews has a price. Connor McDavid has a price. Everyone has a price. Are teams willing to pay that price? Most of them, no, not for those star players, but every team would absolutely have a price for mm-hmm. a player. It may be completely outrageous or be like the Islanders where they want to give up every single draft pick, but, but every player has a yeah. certain price. And you got to figure out what that price is for some of these teams that are absolutely in the run that could afford Philip Forsberg uh, in that deal. So I'm curious to see how it plays out. I'm sure, especially starting next week, things are really going to start heating up with certain teams and we're just going to wait for the first dam to break 
and the first thing to fall. And then you're going to see every team respond. And that's just silly season number one. And then silly season number two coming up with free agency this summer, which is not, you know, it's all that's in July uh, per usual. So, all right. Yeah. Next up, let's talk with Jesse Pierce. She covers a Minnesota wild for NHL.com and also a host of Bardown Beauty's podcast. She she's fantastic. So cannot wait to talk to her about the Minnesota wild who will be retiring a number as well. When the predators are visiting them this weekend, Mika Koivu will get his number retired. So it'll be interesting for the press to be on the other side of retirement. There's so many jersey retirements happening right now. It's, it makes me feel so old. It's like I grew up kind of watching these guys. And then all of a sudden, Oh, no, nope, they're, they're, no, they're, they're retired. done. Yeah. So, all right. <laughs> so older than hockey. Age I know. Old. <laughs> I know. All right. That's up next. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. Hello and welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025, The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And joining us now to talk about the Minnesota Wild and just all things hockey, we have Jesse Pierce. She's with NHL.com, also the Bardown Beauty podcast host. Uh, she does it all when it comes to hockey and is a fantastic follow on Twitter. You've got to. It's so entertaining and great information on hockey as well. So, Jesse, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. A lot of good T-Bell hot takes on my Twitter too. So uh, if you're into <laughs> that and hockey, I'm your girl. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. So it's, it's been, it's been an interesting couple of weeks for the Minnesota wild. I mean, they've been near the top of the central division. They've been one of the teams to watch. And then they had that road trip uh, to Canada, which started out pretty well with, with a, a big win over Edmonton, but then losses to Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary, and then can, continuing the slide uh, a little bit against Buffalo and giving that up. And then Dallas as well. Obviously March is going to be a very important month for the Minnesota wild. What have you noticed just from that slide? If there's any adjustments that's been made and what this team is made of, how is this challenge going to affect them? I mean, interesting, I think is a nice way to put it. Um, it's, <laughs> it's been tough to watch, especially when you saw how deep this Minnesota wild team was, you know, and I don't even know that they were exceeding expectations early on, maybe slightly, um, but they were just looking really solid from top to bottom, first line to fourth line. I mean, it was, everything was rolling. Defense was maybe over exceeding slightly or John Merrill's uh, playing really well. Jordy Ben started playing really well in the absence of guys like Matt Dumbo, who just recently returned from uh, missing 10 games there. But I don't know that you can point to the injuries of Dumba or Jordan Greenway, who's missed six games or even Matt Zuccarello who missed one. I think it's almost like there's a lack of confidence within themselves. I mean, you saw earlier in the year, a lot of their success was built upon the resiliency and coming back from being down. And it's almost like Minnesota got too comfortable being in the, uh, the backseat and coming back from behind, pulling the goaltender with nine minutes left in the third, which is crazy, but it worked right. Um, you know, it just, it's been, it's been tough to watch. They're gripping their sticks a little bit too tight, doing everything basically, but playing simple hockey. The turnovers have been egregious. Um, but if I were to point to one thing, that's been the biggest struggle overall, it's been goaltending. I think the cracks that you've seen in the defense, whether it is guys like Matt Dumba out of injury or guys like John Merrill and Dmitry Kulikov, not playing quite to that high level we'd seen before. It's showing some major holes in the goaltending between Cam Talbot and Kapo Kakinen. So I think that's kind of the biggest problem right now, but obviously the offense has slowed quite quite a bit, uh, not putting their one, two punch in their Kirill Kaprizov is kind of up and down Kevin Fiala, who you guys know very well, uh, probably the one shining light on, on offense right now, but really nothing is going well for the Minnesota wild, Justin. <laughs> and Jesse, I want to talk about Matt Dumba on the blue line a little bit more while the wild have the talent to keep afloat without him. And it is obvious when he's out of the lineup, how much this team values and needs him and what they lack when he's not there. So I just want to get your take on while he was out on IR, 
were there opportunities that you saw with players within this lineup that maybe kind of used Dumba's absence as an opportunity to rise up a little bit, even though it might not have, you know, turned out, <laughs> turned out as well as they would like it to. Did you see anybody that kind of rose up to that opportunity? I mean, that's a great question. Cause I think Matt Dumba brings so much personality wise too. I think that's really what Minnesota missed from Matt Dumba, not to discredit his play on the ice. I mean, he's one big body back there on the blue line that Minnesota doesn't have when he's not out really. Um, but you know, I think you saw guys like Matt Boldy and, and Kevin Fiala, maybe get a little bit more vocal with the team, bring some of that energy that was missing, um, on the playing side of things, Kalen Addison, tried to kind of slot in there and, and kind of come in. And he's been a little bit of up and down between Minnesota and Iowa in the AHL this year. Um, you know, I'm not sure that they've seen quite enough of him to uh, get a good assessment. I know I certainly haven't, but I think he's a guy that's really trying to fill a role on this team and trying to fill a hole when Matt Dumba is hurt because your other options, no slight to Jordy Ben, but maybe just a little bit is Jordy Ben, who is not performing too well, a lot of turnovers from him. So, I mean, I think Callan Addison, uh, Matt Boldy and Kevin Fiala kind of filled the personality and skill role for uh, when Matt Dumba was out, but it's definitely good to have him back because you, you can only have one Mr. Hype man and that's Matt Dumba. And Jesse, uh, Justin kind of touched on this in his first question to you. Um, there is a similar shared experience. I think that Minnesota and Nashville have had this season. Obviously all teams are going to go through the typical highs and lows, but primarily that both teams have gone through points in the season where they sat atop the central division. Um, the Predators exceeded expectations for a lot of people in the wild as well. I mean, and then they'll they'll hit a rough patch. And whenever a team hits a rough patch, obviously everyone starts thinking that they're flying off the handles. Um, and the wild currently find themselves in a bit of a rough patch, but it's also a little two weeks, a little, a little over two weeks out from the trade deadline. And when a team starts to hit a rough patch this close to the trade deadline, you know, people start a million different scenarios start coming to people's minds about how this team is going to move forward. So what are your overall thoughts on what Bill Guerin might do to ensure that this is a winning season for the Minnesota, Minnesota wild? Yeah, I mean, it is, it's a tough thing because the Minnesota wild are now at a very different position than they were even a week ago. Um, you know, I, I like to say that they're definitely in a slump. It's not just a losing streak. They've experienced losing streaks. This feels like a slump, um, you know, and Billy Garen's not one to shy away from taking phone calls and moving pieces. If he, you know, you look at the buyouts of Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi as a prime example. Right. Um, but I think you look at this team and this team from the beginning felt very different. And a lot of that speaks to the locker room and the culture in the locker room. And the fact that these guys are so tight knit, um, one of the closest teams that I've seen in my time covering the Minnesota wild is just, it's really, they're having fun. They're picking each other up. They're lifting each other up. Um, it's, it's a good thing. So no, you don't want to shake up that room by any means, unless you have to. But again, I think Billy G is not going to let that completely deter him from making a move that is going to better the team this year. Specifically, Minnesota has that window where they don't have that pseudo Parisi buyout cap recapture. So they have a little bit more money to play with. And I think if Billy Guerin says we're one rental piece away, we're one, you know, long-term defenseman away from, from pushing through these playoffs, then absolutely. He's going to make that call. Now, if you look at the way the team's playing right now, it might be easier just to sit pat and say, okay, you know what? I'm just going to wait until the off season because I don't know that this team is necessarily where we want them to be in order to, to move pieces. I mean, the other interesting thing too, with the Minnesota wild is this team cannot stay intact next year. You've got guys like Kevin Fiala who are going to want some, some big money. So, I mean, a lot of these guys aren't going to come back. Kevin Fiala's I think price will go up in the off season versus at deadline, but you never know. I mean, there's different things like that to consider too. So it's going to be really interesting. Billy G likes to keep things very, very interesting. And Minnesota certainly 
has uh, been active in the past when things weren't going the right way. You guys are welcome from Mikhail Granlin, by the way. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I think it'll be, I'm just as curious and interested to see what uh, Garen and Brass do uh, just in a couple weeks here. Again, Jesse Pierce joining us of NHL.com covering the Minnesota Wild. Uh, mentioned Kevin Fiala, and that is a name that we've talked about so much on the show, especially when he was younger and had some of those learning experiences in Milwaukee. What, what, what has been his growth pattern uh, along the times with the Minnesota Wild? It's been a few years since we've seen him in Nashville, and there are those times where sometimes he just looked like you know, a fish out of water. He didn't belong. And then we see the potential that he had, but then there'd be some behavioral things we'd see on the ice, especially in Milwaukee that have happened where he just had to mature a little bit. And obviously he's producing now. What has been the growth of Kevin Fiala over his time in Minnesota? And how have you seen that been to where he's going to be an integral piece coming up for them in the future? Right. You know, I think you touched on the biggest thing there is that maturity. You saw a lot of that going back to the bubble when Minnesota played against Vancouver and just kind of some of those unnecessary penalties that he took purely out of frustration. I mean, I think he took three straight at one point in time, but you know, that's what Dean Epson is not afraid to bench him. I mean, Kevin Fiala has been benched, I believe twice this year, for sure. At least once where he was very sitting down you could tell that he was in the, in the doghouse with Mr. Dean Epson. But I think what's really helped Kevin grow is Dean Evson. Dean Evson, obviously familiar with Kevin Fiala from Milwaukee. And, you know, I think between him and between some of the older vets on this team, it's really helped Kevin mature. I think he's kindly figured out for himself, like, you know what, you're right. I do kind of need to make an adjustment. And, you know, when he is in a scoring slump, because I think Kevin Fiala still is pretty streaky, all, all things considered. I mean, as of late, he's turned it on, but he still is kind of a, a hit or miss and sometimes can grip his stick too tight. But this year, it seems like he's kind of, changed that narrative for himself and said, you know what, it's okay. I'm just going to keep playing my game. Um, and a large credit to Matt Boldy, because it seems like those two, once Matt Boldy came, uh, up to the Minnesota wild permanently here, him and, uh, Fiala have found a chemistry that is, is really helping Fiala get going. So between those couple things, um, it'll be interesting again, Kevin Fiala is going to demand, uh, a fair, fair offer, a hefty offer in the off season. So it'll be interesting to see what Minnesota ends up doing with that, whether they try to move other large pieces to uh, to keep him around. Because again, what we're seeing as of late, he is a, a big part of this organization. No doubt. It'll be interesting to see what happens in Nashville North. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we have to leave, it's, it's interesting. This year has been a year to make a lot of uh, elder millennials feel really old when players that they kind of grew up watching are retiring. Uh, so like <laughs> Pecorine, Henrik Lundqvist, Rick Nash. I mean, there's so many players that are reti- getting their jerseys retired and the Minnesota Wild are no different. Amiko Koivu and what he's meant to that franchise as well and being the franchise, the all-time leader in games played, assists, points, and shots. I mean, that's pretty impressive uh, with, with for 15 years in Minnesota. What is the impact of Miko Koivu to that community, to that team and that franchise? And just what are you kind of expecting that reception to be like leading up to it and during the ceremony from the fans? Yeah, I mean, the longevity of, of Miko is, is absolutely tremendous to do that with one team. I mean, we like to pretend that those seven games in Columbus never happened. I understand why he wanted to do it, but we like to say, you know, he's Minnesota <laughs> wild through and through. And because he's always been very vocal at how important that was to him. You know, he wanted to start in Minnesota and stay in Minnesota and, you know, play it out and give his all for Minnesota. So I think the fans have always recognized that Minnesota is certainly a state that 
we want you to love us, right? Like when guys leave, we're like, oh, we hate you. Now you're dead to us. And I think, you know, Miko Koivu selecting to stick around and granted the organization wanted him to stick around for as long as he have. I imagine the reception is going to be tremendous. I know him and uh, Granlund are close friends, so that'll be nice for him to have there. And then, you know, he's just, he's well-respected by other players. And I am hoping to see plenty of smiles versus the Miko Stern that we usually get. But uh, I think it'll be a, it's a great honor for him. Um, you know, first Jersey at XL energy center to be retired. So it's uh, going to be quite the moment and uh, looking forward to watching that all come Sunday here. No doubt about that. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for your insight on the Minnesota Wild. We really appreciate your time. No, thank you guys. Have a good one. All right. Jesse Pierce, NHL.com. Also the Bar Down Beauties podcast. She does a great job covering hockey. And again, very entertaining. But also highly recommend that uh, Glenn it's, it's, curious all these teams you know retiring jerseys and it's like three teams now being the first ever retired jersey i know this is a fantastic year for it i know it's obviously a huge honor for them um and i'm just excited for their fan base we obviously just got to experience this here in nashville so it's exciting to know that there's another fan base up north that is going to be experiencing (laughs) something very similar and that's your you know you just got to get excited for them because they're going to have a great weekend 100%. Okay, up next, we're going to answer your questions you submitted on Twitter. That's all up next. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025, The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Jared Tankier was behind the glass. And you you all loaded us up with questions. I had to ask twice on Twitter, (laughs) but you loaded us up with some good questions. So, Glenn, let's just jump right into them. Uh, This one's probably going to be for me to answer unless somehow you've gone to the movies recently. This one comes from Rob. Who is the best Batman? And this is always a very divisive question amongst Batman fans. movies. Okay, well, who who would be your favorite then? But I watched as a kid. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is a fantastic (laughs) Batman. He was... I also don't have anything to compare it to because I have <laughs> anything else, but I loved him as Batman. So I think the three for me, the top three, obviously Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, and now Robert Pattinson. And this is going to be the question that is going to just plague geek groups all the time. And it's going to probably come down more to like whose interpretation they enjoy best Christian Bale or Robert Pattinson. So mm-hmm. I, I cannot just say one is the best over the other because they're different takes on a character. And I do not like discussions where you're comparing of who was the best, who was the best. Mm-hmm. They were the best interpretation of the character that the director wanted them to have. That's the way that I look at this as an art because the Christian Bale Batman was completely different from the Michael Keaton Batman. I mean, look at the difference in the movies. What, what, what do you want? I mean, they're completely different to where the, it's more kitschy and cartoony with the Michael mm-hmm. Keaton ones with that we grew up with, which are fantastic. And especially for the time, fantastic compared to the really darkness of the dark Knight series with Christian Bale. And now I, I really enjoyed Christian Bale's take on Bruce Wayne. Robert Pattinson was a fantastic Batman as a detective and really dark. And you, you saw that there too. So I enjoy didn't all three. That, yeah. Didn't I say that Robert Pattinson should play Roman Yossi in a movie? I he think did, I did. Yeah. And Pattinson <laughs> was fantastic. I, I don't give him enough credit because you most people know from Twilight. Yeah. But uh, he was incredible as Batman. So highly suggest you go see the Batman. Also from Rob is, will the Preds use their cap space for draft capital? I really... Uh, if it, well, Let's get into trade discussion now then. If the Predators, because I know some other things popped up with, with Twitter questions. If the Predators are going to trade for anything you trade for something that is deep and not for like right now you trade for something to solidify the blue line, which you said multiple times and you're trading away, maybe a fifth or sixth round pick. 
Uh, you're yeah. trade. You're not trading away anything fourth round and up. You have to keep your draft capital in place to continue to make sure this team's competitive for years to come. They have a yeah, lot of good prospects. Yeah, they have mm-hmm. a lot of good prospects right now in the system. Keep the prospects in the system. There's no sense right now this season to give up the farm or to give up anything big for making a run let it play out you have to let it play out this season or you add just a little bit of solidification that's even a word to the blue line or maybe if anything like that i don't even want to see them add a forward if there's one thing to add you add something on the blue line just to help because it's been a little injury prone on the blue line that's it yeah i mean yeah when you've had a competitive season the way this predators team has this year there's no reason to drain your cupboard or drain any of those options for the future because you're only doing yourself a disservice for your, you know, mm-hmm. your future. So All right, I don't from, want to really do anything. Right. <laughs> All right. From Johnny safe to assume Forsberg and Duchesne both break Arby's goal record, right? Who hits it first Do either hit 40 by season's end. That is a great question. That is. So you have Duchesne at 27, Forsberg at 27. I do think they both break it. Uh, I think it's going to be Forsberg because I think just in terms of the hotness, he's going to get it done. Um, Duchesne obviously could do it first, but I know they're, they're both right up there, but I think it's going to be Forsberg because he can be streaky in terms of having multi-goal games. And that's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I can see that as well. And especially, I mean, there's just so much hype right now around him and he's just performing outstanding. So I, but just to differ, just to, you know, disagree with you, <laughs> I'll say that he won't reach it first. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that. I'll say that Duchesne, Duchesne will reach okay. it first. I disagree with all right. you. All right. All right. Thanks. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> this one comes from DJ. Let's see. Should Soros be given more rest? Yes. <laughs> and I think you're going to see that happen this month because they have so many games. I mean, there's two back-to-backs this month. It's a game pretty much every other day alongside the back-to-backs. Again, the next mm-hmm. time they have two straight days off is the 25th and 26th. It's the ninth. They have a game every other day or back-to-back happening against very good teams. I mean, you had Dallas last night, then Anaheim, St. Louis, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Philly, but then Toronto, and then Anaheim again, back to back with LA and then Vegas. <laughs> so it is stock full. I, you're going to see, I think you're going to see Riddick play at least two games over the next two and a half weeks. That, that would be uh, no doubt in the back to back. He's going to play one of Anaheim or LA. And then I would think you'd see him against Philly. I think that would make the most sense to me. I think so too. I mean, I think this team got to see, I mean, over the last few seasons they got to see the importance of resting Pecorine and letting Yusasaro step in to give Pecorine that rest so I think they're going to do the exact same thing and make sure that they protect him we've already seen a little bit of a glimpse of it um, and the Predators caught a win after that so I think that they they know they recognize the importance of that Um, so I definitely think we're going to see him in a couple if not a few games Absolutely. Okay. This one comes from Alex. If the Preds don't make a move at the deadline to bring in a winger to play with Johansson, do they try to pull someone from within Afanasiev, maybe, maybe pave the way for Evangelista to make the jump next season. I, I truly think you just, you keep it from within. I don't think you're going to see Afanasiev this season based on he hasn't been one of the ones to get the call up. I think you see now where this team kind of relies on their, their depth to come from. And that's where you have Matt Luff coming in, Cole Smith, I'd like to see Tommy Novak get another chance. And I think you might see just to close out the season, Rocco Grimaldi, because he's been tearing up in the AHL. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it unfortunately just hasn't been, you know, a, a sticking with this team in the NHL, even though he's had some good games. Uh, but that's what I think you're going to see from within because they just I, I don't want to see them make a move to bring in a winger. Um, that leads into the next question, which we'll get your thoughts on then, Glenn, is mm-hmm. Graham asked about JT Miller trade potentially. And that'd be coming from uh, the Vancouver Canucks. He still has another year left in his contract of 5.25. And, and Graham's asking this more like if they don't re-sign Forsberg. Uh, that would be a good fill-in. And it would be. It's just, I think it's going to be tough to to pull that off with the cap situation the Predators could be in if they did that, because then what if he does resign? Uh, JT Miller is one of the ones I'd like to see in a Preds uniform. Years ago would have been cool to see that happen, but it just didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's got a hefty price tag. And I mean, if you're you're putting the situation of if Forsberg didn't resign, you obviously want someone like that. Like we said, you want somebody that's going to be able to come in and fill that large void, but I don't know. I don't know what it would that's look tough. like. It would be pretty pricey. It is. It is. And, and Graham also asks, what three appetizers would compose your ideal appetizer platter? I go Buffalo wings, jalapeno oh. poppers, and the snack time forgotten potato skins. Oh, I had forgotten about potato skins too. That's a good question. I didn't that see is. that. Ooh, I mean, oh. it makes me think of the triple dipper at Chili's. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm always going to be uh, cheese sticks first for okay. mozzarella first. Yep. And then I'm such a sucker for chips and salsa slash queso. I have to have salty chips. Um, gosh, I don't know. I got to think of a third. Go ahead. Justin. I got to think of a third. All right. So mine's obvious is, is going to still be mozzarella sticks, but I'd prefer them to be like fresh mozzarella sticks, not like frozen ones, the ones that are handmade. Like Sonic. <laughs> not like Sonic good ones <laughs> sonic will do in our and when you when you just need it but I, i'm not like good like like I, even though they don't have to be sticks they could be like wedges like mozzarella stick wedges yeah. kind of thing oh, yeah. but nice and melty and gooey not where oh, it's like yeah. oh i'm biting into cheese it was and frozen in batter i love the thin yes thin yes batter. more focus on the cheese not the batter uh and yeah. then i do love a jalapeno popper but mine i need to make sure they're filled with cream cheese not nacho cheese sonic uh, like I, I, I want that, I, like that <laughs> I want that hot and sweet. So it's that savory sweetness yeah. thing going on. If I'm having spicy, like with a jalapeno, where it's not that spicy, it's a jalapeno. But I want that 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 sweet creaminess of a cream cheese and a jalapeno popper. So that's that's my second one. And then my third one, I know potato skins are great, but I do love um a boneless wing. Don't come at me. I mean, or, or even just a regular bone-in wing, but buffalo m- with Boring. medium sauce. <laughs> And oh, shut up, medium, medium buffalo with blue cheese. Okay, that sounds good, except for the blue cheese. I don't like blue cheese, okay? But I could always go for okay. So, while I already have chips on the table for myself, <laughs> I'm gonna go with like a creamy dip, like a spinach artichoke dip, something like that. Okay. A good one, though. I don't want it, yeah. I'm with you, I don't want it to taste like it came out of a freezer, right? Um, so I think something like that because I'm such a I'm a chip fiend, I just I can't stop with the chips. So. I'm going to ask for endless chips, so I might as well okay. have it. Okay. All right. So we'll close it up. Uh, last question. There are two just concerning the, the KHL and NHL dissolvement uh, affecting the Preds. This one's from Rob. Not really sure how that affects it in terms of the, the basically just the agreement before of like contracts. We'll, we'll respect your contract, you know, because what happened with the Alexander Radloff situation. So right now it doesn't affect the Preds because there's still another year left for um, Askarov over there and just not sure what's going to happen. I really don't know, Rob. Like it, it's one of those things that 
I'm sure there's so many dealings that could happen, like what happened back in the 80s and 90s to get Russians to defect if they did want to defect over to play in the NHL. So that's a developing situation I'm sure we'll want to learn more about. And then George asks about uh, the situation going on with Russia and Ukraine and about Predators' families, uh, like Yakov Trenin uh, and then Igor Afanasyev. I mean, I believe Afanasyev, his family came over uh, to the United States for him to play. So I think they lived in Michigan, uh, in Detroit, in the Detroit area right now, but I'm not 100% sure. And then do not know any update on Yakov Trenin and their families either. And so and, uh, that's one of those questions that that would be very difficult to ask um, of these players, uh, unless the situation presents itself properly, because they want to focus, I'm sure, on hockey. And it's that's difficult for them to answer um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously it's like, I don't even feel like it's my place in some ways to even know. Right, right. All you, want, all you want to know really is that they're okay. Their family's okay. They're, you know, in good spirits as much as you can be. But I know that, like you said, Justin, you probably just want to focus on the game. Right. Try to put horse blinders on as much as you can um, because it's heavy. It's very right. heavy. And I hope they're okay. I mean, I totally hope they're all okay. Their families are doing okay because they can't really say much because people are watching. Exactly. Yep. So, all right. And the actual last question comes from Johnny, and this is going to be a quickie. Uh, was Ben Harper's hit on Luke Glendening last night the biggest moment in his career with the Preds? Yes, especially because the stat line they used on him was has played in the last three or four games. So <laughs> how about that for a stat line for Ben Harper? All right, folks, uh, for producer Jared, thanks so much. And Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to Penalty to Box Hitter here on ESPN 1025 The Game.